Hey, Matt. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there. We have a fun one tonight. Brian Schmidt. Uh, yeah. I think we call him Sensei. Yeah. Coach. Um, yeah. This one's fun, though, because, like, you know, it's always very easy to talk to somebody that you talk to a lot because they're just a friend. So it's more of a natural conversation. Nothing feels forced. And uh, for me, I've been looking forward to this episode because I really don't know his backstory before Rockford, which I'm very curious of, like how he got the job or the gig at Rockford. Yeah, I know. I know a little bit um, about where he's from and some of the stuff he did before, but it's it's always good to get a refresher. I mean, we're getting older and older. I don't remember everything. That's for sure. Yeah. Um but yeah, for, for the people listening at home, Brian worked for Rockford building some really crazy demo cars, uh, doing a lot of training, and went on to start a company that the majority of the top fabricators in the world use for supplies, and uh, he does templates, he does just all sorts of tools and, and processes to make trainings. Yeah, custom car audio, and then also does trainings, which occasionally Matt and I are a part of, uh, mm-hmm. helping out as guest instructors, and um, has trained so many fabricators across the globe. Um, it's just one of the most influential people in our industry, and we all look up to him. He's a, a really nice, really humble guy, and he's really smart and talented, and we'll, we'll talk to him a bit tonight. Yeah, it should be cool, and I know that he's uh, got a massive thing in the works that really hasn't been done before, but that's how everything in the world is, right? You just you try it, and it's just like us fabricating. Like, it either works or it doesn't, and I'm, I'm sure it, it, it always ends up working in the end. You know, I, there's very few times that I've ever scrapped something that I spent a lot of time on <laughs> right? because we find solutions. Yeah, that's for so. sure. Um, before, before we add him in, uh, I feel like we should get demo tracks out of the way. More demo tracks. More demo tracks. I love adding stuff to the list. The list is growing. I'm excited this week. Yeah. You got something special. I don't know if it's special, but it's something that I use quite often. Well, I use the whole album quite often and it's not cliche, but I use a lot. I mean, it's just a well-recorded live album. So this is kind of like my go-to live. And I don't have a guess. Usually I have a guess at yeah. this point. You give me that many clues and I want to yeah. guess. But. I don't think you're going to be able to guess. Um, but it's an artist I listen to all the time, especially at home when I you know, just ask Google to play music. It's just, I don't know. A lot of people are going to think different differently of me now. Um but it's John Mayer and live in Los Angeles is a record that he did a while back, but the recording value of it is spectacular. And I've been able to see him live numerous times. And I feel like if you love music, you got to see John Mayer live. If you think that he's just this person who sings love music or whatever it is, or, bangs some of the hottest celebrities in Hollywood (laughs) that might be your thought process but the dude is amazing at guitar he is on the level of Stevie Ray Vaughan 
some of the best out there. And when I saw him live, I don't think he played one hit. It was just a blues jam session that he would go on five minute guitar solos, literally melting faces on the guitar. <laughs> um, but the reason I like this album live in Los Angeles is because the recording value is very high. And one of the tracks that I use quite frequently is Vultures. The thing that I really key on to with that demo track is listening to the subwoofers because it starts off with just, you know, a drum set uh, right in the beginning. And it's really going to localize where the subwoofers are coming from. And if those subs are placed in the front of the car, it's going to be very obvious in the first five seconds of the song. Uh, obviously, you get guitar after that, but really the first bit of the song, I'm listening to the drum set and trying to figure out where the subs are localizing. Uh, another good track in that album is, of course, the live version of Gravity, which is a great song, but the cool part about that song is you can really hear and key on to the audience members. You hear random people scream out stuff. It really presents like the width of a live recording. And you hear people clapping, you hear people whistling, and it really sets that stage to get that believability of a live track. So those would be my two. I use so many different songs of that album, but I would say those are the main two that I use all the time. That's cool. I only have, and I'm not going to say what it is, but I only have one live album or songs from a live album. Only one artist, one recording that makes it into my demo playlists and my my tuning playlists. And I'll, I'll bring it up at some point. I'll save it for later. Okay. But it really is uh, interesting to hear the differences in studio recordings and live recordings and what the environment's like and how they set them up to record it's it's definitely fun to hear those differences and then have it reproduced in a car and hear how it you're trying to transform your car into that arena or that small intimate stage or whatever the scenario is i feel like i could guess what that is should i just throw a guess out throw a guess out is it Evanescence? She does. She has a really good recording of the My Immortal song she does that I've had multiple people literally doing demos, multiple people cry, hmm. like literally come to tears with that song just because like I would say three quarters of the way in as you're listening to it, if you really let yourself just go and get lost, it becomes very powerful. And... I remember demoing it to a guy with the BMW X5. I'm not going to say his name, but it was a client and demoing it on his car fully in tears. And then I demoed the same thing to a coworker in the Escalade. And I look over and it's always fun playing, playing that song too, because it is so powerful. And he, you just, you know, the power of the song, but then you look over and then you're like, oh shit, I got him," <laughs> Because they're just like, you can see the emotion on their face and you can see yeah. like they're just not trying to key into anything else in the world and they're just looking straight and you know they're trying to stay there because it's like a magical place yeah you get lost and I, I, dude i love it i love it man yeah those demos of those types of things are just like 
that's the payoff for what we do. Yeah. Love it. Yep. One of these days you're going to have to put a system in your own car so you can enjoy that for your eight minute ride to work. Yeah. No, never happened. for eight, eight or 10 minutes a day. <laughs> that's what my Stella headphones are for. There you go. All right. Uh, I don't have a big, long speech. No, I'm not saying that yours was big, long speech, but I don't have as many words to put <laughs> with my choice. I just like it. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, the track I'm going to add this week, is the track is called O Atlanta, and it is done by Allison Cross, and it is a, a remake of an older song, but it is very well recorded and just, I don't know, it's one of those songs that every time I put it on, every time I hear it, uh, not only am I listening to a familiar track and, and some cues and where the instruments are placed, but it is just a, it's kind of an uplifting song. It just makes me feel good so that's why i chose it that's it and you know what that's okay yeah half hey, the songs everybody... i play are because it makes you feel good and that's yeah. where we're going to go soon because now most of the songs that i have are feel good songs oh well there you go i mean there are some songs that you listen to that you know bring you down a little bit when you oh, when yeah. you need that you know that that emotional push in a certain direction but yeah i think we're doing good i i really like this playlist that we have going so far and um, it's funny because I have two or three different playlists already on Spotify in addition to the Old Fashioned Car Audio podcast playlist. And I'll start clicking on, because it's faster to not have to sort through some songs, I've started to go to the Old Fashioned Car Audio playlist now directly. And we didn't ask Brian about his, but I know that he has a, an affinity for Nora Jones. <laughs> okay. So I'm just... I'm going to preemptively pick one for Brian and say that his is going to be Nora Jones sinking soon. We're just going to add that. I'm going to say that's for Brian and it's Nora Jones sinking soon. One of the best parts about this particular song is there's a really cool, like trumpet solo. I would say like 45 seconds to a minute in. Right. And it'll really show you where your speakers stand because like a tr like a true trumpet the high end and the growl of a trumpet is just it's kind of hard to produce and on a good set of speakers i mean it fucking sounds like a trumpet yep. and i don't know it's just a well-recorded song it's fun it sounds amazing and again that trumpet solo is when a lot of people just like really start jiving with the song I may have to try these out. Uh, I have that that one big uh, non-car audio audio project going on in the shop that's almost wrapped up, and I may have to crank a couple of these songs on that thing tomorrow. There you go. Rock it, rock it out. But, cool. Okay. Well, I think that's it. Let's uh, let's bring Brian in and get on with this. I tried. I took my shot. Does that work? It worked, right? I love it. I might keep that in just because that was fun. <laughs> what? That was, I thought it was a perfect segue. Without just, further ado. I just really enjoyed the pause after it. Because <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was hoping uh, you'd like have like a, two words that were like, yeah, here we go. We're, de <laughs> we're definitely keeping that in. 100%. Okay. I love that. That's With fun. an awkward pause. Yeah. 
Are we just going right into the rest of it from there? Yep. All right. Okay. Here's here's Brian. Good. Roll the intro. That's life. We got Brian Schmidt here with us. It's going to be a great episode. I can already feel it. And we generally always start off the podcast drinking some old fashions. Obviously, today is going to be an exception where I'm going to whip out the screwball. Because I, I'm pretty sure I was introduced to this when it first came out. I think Brian whipped it out, the screwball that is, in uh, Knowledge Fest. <laughs> and... I think like 13, 15 of us all took a shot of this at Knowledge Fest. And that's when I was first introduced to it. So made myself a Reese's Old Fashioned, which is Screwball and Godiva Chocolate Liqueur. And it is, it is excellent. So welcome, Brian. Well, good job, Maddie, And uh, <laughs> thank you guys for having me. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, the Screwball is uh, amazing if you just keep it in the freezer. Yeah, 100%. And then uh, it's always cold. So a little tip for you. A little tip for you. They make an ice cream now. So. Uh, wow. Yeah. You, I got to look for that. You <laughs> definitely got to look for that at your local grocer. I, I don't know that that's diet approved there, sir. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter on that one. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. This is cool. Do we do we start this all the way back in the beginning, like what was Brian's first car and stereo and all that, or are we just do we assume people know Brian's history? Well, the funny thing is, I, I was actually really looking forward to this episode because I know a lot of people's history pretty well, but I feel like I don't know like the the before Rockford era of Brian. I feel like that's all just I, I I've never learned any of that, so I'm actually very excited to understand where it actually did start with brian so so that has been a thing on on past episodes brian is that we go way back with people and talk to them about what got them into car audio what their first experience was and how they took that into a career um what i, I know it involves what is it utah where where were you yeah i grew up in utah and um you know my dad he's I'll start there. I, I kind of get a lot of, you know, I guess my mechanical intuition with from him, but he's a master mechanic, retired. But um, watching him build engines and, and race cars growing up was always fun. And, uh, you know, I, I started going to high school and I really, I love the idea of doing, uh, you know, mechanical stuff, but I wasn't, I wasn't the mechanic, but I did like to draw so, you know, during high school, I took some drafting classes, really took a good interest to that and started CAD actually in high school, if you can believe that. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, fast forward in during high school, I got my first car stereo job and uh, it was not it was not glamorous, Gary. <laughs> at all. Uh, you know, it was it was, uh, you know, I was a senior 
putting six by nines in and, and a majestic EQ and I was I was the king of the high school and then <laughs> then got woofers I got woofers and I think they were MTX Road Thunders and uh, and a big old amp and I absolutely had the most bass in high school and I think <laughs> that's when my brain was ruined is uh is the base in high school and I, I just have never been the same since then but i did go to school i went to college and that, my grown-up job was going to be uh you know i wanted to be a mechanical engineer and i i just worked you know a few different stereo shops along the way and just like i'm sure you guys have similar stories is my hobby became my career life decided for me literally because of bass and wanting to take girls out in my car so you know it all kind of starts the same way um back early on is is bass was super cool and uh you know i never forget that first time you you sat in that mini truck in the 90s and and heard the bass drop and it just blew your head off and uh, I was just, you know, I was, I was fascinated. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years, work for more shops. And then back in the day, the Iaska scene was pretty heavy and uh, SPL. And, uh, you know, we decided to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, for the finals for one year. And, and I saw the big boys play and I saw Mark Fakuda and some of the other guys. Uh, and I thought that was the coolest shit ever and came back and said man there's another level to this that i really think that i want to try to go for and uh you know like guys like mark fakuda and mark Lowe, to me back then were inspiration to just go man there's there's a lot more here to 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 kind of achieve and uh and that's how it started for me what so, what I mean, year is you know, that that, that so we're talking early 90s 90, 90, 92, 93. And then uh, I got a job at Rockford Fosgate in uh, 1994. So I, I moved from Salt Lake City, Utah to big, which is, you know, a couple million people to Phoenix, which is the fifth largest city in the country. And, and I got a job at Rockford and uh, cut the mullet yeah yeah me and, me and greg cause we were rocking our bullets and and uh mark Lowe said hey if you want anyone to take you serious you gotta lose the the goldilocks there so he he actually took me to this um interesting place to get my hair cut it was uh these ladies in lingerie that cut your hair and he thought we're gonna oh. do this going out in style so i literally made her cut my hair an inch at a time <laughs> And came out looking clean cut, but that was place, my rock. Is this place still initiation. in business? It still is. It's in Mesa, Arizona. Is it, it really still exists? Yeah. I feel. I feel it's like not I need to visit that I'm going to tell you that <laughs> it's not sanitary, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, and that's the that's the truth. So yeah, I had to cut my hair to go to Rockford, and uh, you know, Rockford, Rockford was like going to Harvard, literally. Uh, to, to, to work with some of the, the best of the best, the engineers and, and Mark Lowe and, and uh, just unlimited budgets taught me uh, so many things on different levels. And, you know, I was able to take my skill set 
and just hone that. And uh, you know, my job was to build demo cars uh, full time and train people. And uh, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Boy, it was awesome. It was a great experience. So it was a lot of fun. So how long before Rockford? How many years or how much time did you have in the industry before you're at Rockford? So, you know, retail was, I think, about seven, yeah, seven, seven, eight years in retail. And, um, you know, we had, you know, you know, Greg Cobbs and I had good friends. We worked at the Hi-Fi shop. We were both store managers, two different stores. And, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. We had, we could, you know, we'd go around and keep, compete at local shows. That's one where there was real car shows. How did you meet Mark? at the show that you were talking about where you would see him in Fakuda? Yeah. So we, we met Mark at, uh, I think it was the IASCA finals and it was the year that, uh, Mark Fakuda built that Astro van. And I remember what, looking at that thing and I met both of them there and I just thought, Oh my God, this is, this is next level shit. And I would still say it is today. Yeah. Um, as far as the craftsmanship, the electronics, not so much, but the, the craftsmanship. And that's when I met them. And, and uh, you know, they were pretty candid, especially Mark Lowe said at the time they had to be very careful about poaching dealers for new techs. And so he kind of asked me, he's like, hey, do you know anyone that would be interested in working for us, you know, building demo cars and training? And I said, I might know somebody. And he says, well, good. So why don't you get your resume together and I'll see you at CES. And this is in the fall. So I so I, I flew down to Vegas and and I interviewed at CES with my long hair. <laughs> and then and then came down a month later and said, Okay, you got the job. Now it's time to cut that damn hair. And that that's how I started at Rockford. Um, did you uh, have it was, any uh, it was hard I was gonna say, did you have any training? like any did obviously there was no mobile solutions back then but did you ever go to a rockford rtti training or anything like that in your upbringing we actually did um now that i think about it mark he actually mark Lowe had us had greg cobbs and i prior to i think in between the finals and when i came down to ces he said hey i'd like to come have you guys come down for a personal training we're building this impala remember the impala that they built i'd like you guys to come down and for a weekend and you know i'll, I'll show you some router stuff and we did we flew down <laughs> and it was just the two of us and it was mark Lowe and rick jones and uh that was our training it was the two of them and we spent a few days with them and uh you know the rest happened after that but yeah that was that was my only formal training right there I remember trying to get into RTTI like when I worked at a dealer early on and it was like, oh no, like you have to qualify with this and that and the other thing. I could never qualify, never got to go. And I had a friend that went and I was so jealous. I might have I might have met you sooner had I gone. Maybe. Yeah, Rockford really pioneered a lot of um a lot of the fab stuff and the, the top gun program was was super cool. And they, they taught a lot of people and influenced a lot of people early on uh, when it made sense to build that, you know, that brand loyalty like that. So, I mean, you know, it's, it, 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 people never forget it. There's no doubt about it. And then, uh, so what was your first big project at Rockford? So the first big project was that 
Big Boy Suburban. <laughs> and I think it was the second version of a Suburban with all the the distribution in the back. Um, we, you know, we we went nuts with all this aluminum and uh, distribution. We we ended up building this amp rack uh, that sat on top of it, but the we made all the bus bars out of wood, and they were layered. There was like a like a top and a bottom, and I had all these holes. And it's kind of like the the theme that you're building right now, Maddie, with um, you know like that that set that cell phone holder. It ha had a lot of holes in it, real industrial looking. That was bus bars, and if you can imagine, like a like I think mm -hmm. it was maybe six to eight batteries on the bottom, connecting all the negative, and then on the top it went through fuses, and it was pretty elaborate. We built the entire thing out of wood. And then took this whole wood model to a machine shop, and um, and I just thought, man, this is awesome, man. We just spent sixty grand with the machine shop, like it was nothing. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> we, we, were, we didn't have to draw. I mean, I you know, we didn't draw anything. We just took them a big erector set of uh, MDF wood CA together, and uh, and I think the the subbox had twelve twelves. It was insanely loud, ported, uh, and we that was our first. That was my first demo vehicle for. Uh, CES and uh, man, it was it was awesome. It was a great experience. We spent a shit ton of. What money does it feel too. like going to Rockford? And obviously, before you went to Rockford, you weren't doing the same level of projects, right? So being somebody who is thrown into this situation, what does it feel like just taking on your first massive project with people? who obviously know what the fuck they're doing. Uh, it was pretty intimidating. I mean, you know what it does to you is it makes you dig deep. And you find out stuff about yourself that you never knew that you could do. You kind of always doubt yourself when you're working alone. You're just like, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it safe or I'm going to do it the way I know works. But when mm -hmm. you surround yourself with other people and – they push you or you see you see other ways to do it and the limitations are way beyond what you thought mm -hmm. it just makes you think differently and that's that's what it did for me is it, it really pushed me out of that comfort zone and you know the things that i would maybe kind of slip on or i wouldn't keep to the highest standard i mean you're just looking at every every screw and nut are tightened and straightened the same way and you're sand you're counting how many times you're sanding shit and like all that stuff mattered at that point mm -hmm. and uh because you know we it, it, we had the budget we had the time it wasn't mm -hmm. retail and i had to be reminded that a lot like brian you're not in retail anymore you 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 have one task and that's to make this thing as badass as you can money is not the limitation time is ces if we don't finish this car you're out of a job. <laughs> Gary knows. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was never money. It was always a time thing. And so, you know, we, you know, we had to push ourselves to that higher level within the time constraints. And I love that. And, uh, you know, I'm like you guys, especially Gary. I work best under pressure. I don't know what it is, but if there was never a deadline, nothing would get done ever. <laughs> Matt, you're probably you you're probably the more disciplined one out of all of us because you <laughs> manage your time really well. But Gary and I, it seems like we have the same style as if that deadline's coming, boy, we are gonna dig deep and it's gonna happen no matter what. It's just how right. bad it hurts. If we have to blow a red light or two to get the car there, we will. But we need <laughs> we need another four minutes to do something. 
I mean, I, I think that's just a great like life lesson for people listening where you have a shop like Gary saying, Hey, I need a tech or Chris Pate saying, Hey, I need a tech. Right. So like, it's kind of the same thing just in modern times where if you're a new tech or an experienced tech and you want to get out of your comfort zone and like really see what you're capable of, like go to a shop like Gary's or Chris's or whoever else, because the things that Gary does or Chris does or any of these other shops does, Tom's shop, Jeremy's shop, like they've just gotten to this point where the type and the standards of work that they do are so high that it just becomes normal, but it's not normal to the average person. So, and, and it's funny, like I've fallen prey to the same thing when I post stuff on Instagram, because sometimes I do stuff that I would used to post all the time because I thought it was cool, but now it's pretty like just standard to me. So I'm like, nobody's going to want to see that, but really a lot of people do want to see that, right? Because it is like, still like advanced or whatever but i guess my point is like if you're new or you really want to progress or see yourself grow in the industry take a chance and work with one of these shops because you will see very quickly how stuff is supposed to be done and you will find out things about yourself and your limitations that you never thought were possible much like brian going to rockford and then eventually becoming and pioneering the path that he did in our industry well and you you know not everybody has had the experience to go to a mobile solutions class, but like in those classes, you see that stuff. You see that there is a higher level and there's something to aspire to. And until your eyes are open to that, you really have no clue the level that some guys execute on. And it's really tough to see through Instagram pictures, the quality difference between one build versus another. It just doesn't come through on your cell phone. Right. Um, but in person, I will tell you that I see stuff from all sorts of shops and like I've seen pictures of pretty stuff and had it show up to my shop and you see it in person. And you're like, really, really? Those are the corners you cut. And so it's, it's tough. So back at Rockford, you building some of these vehicles, at what point are you starting to feel like you're in the groove and that not necessarily like you're an equal to Mark, but like worthy of, working at Rockford on some of these vehicles? Yeah, so we went through a couple of years where, um, you know, we built the Dodge Ram and then Mark got a promotion. Good for Mark. Guess what happened to Brian? Time for Brian to step up. So um, my, my coach advanced and then I had to step into that role and that's the year of the Nissan trucks. And so I really did a lot of homework and I, um, you know, I had like a little meeting with myself and I said, self, it's time to fucking step your game up. <laughs> and, and, and really, and, and I just, I just started studying industrial design stuff. I looked at anything I could for inspiration from buildings to boats to whatever it was, concept cars, a lot of concept cars. And I really wanted to make a statement and come out with just a different mentality on how we do this. It's, and they were very outlandish and they had a, you know, a cool theme to them there. We built three of them and we did this deal with Nissan where they donated the trucks. Um, we had a one with bicycles and motorcycles and surfboards and each, and we did the bikes first, but it was a lifestyle type of demo vehicle. And I would just remember, I go, I, I just want this thing to stand out and I want to, have people remember it. And um, 
you know, looking at some of the other guys out there, you know, uh, the Alpine guys at the time were very popular. I, I just got done speaking with Chris Yato tonight, actually. Yato and Steve Brown um, were kind of our rivals at the time. And it was a, it was a mutual love. It was, we loved them and hated them because they were badass and, and we were gunning for them and they were gunning for us. And, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to beat these Alpine guys. And, and uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. So we came out swinging and, and really tried to step into that role where, where Mark had kind of paved the way for so many years. And it was a lot of fun. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Like I said, but um, it was, it was challenging, you know, it was a mental thing uh, to have that much on your shoulders because now you're in control of the whole department and the project, which is not a lot, not a little bit of money. It's a lot of money. And the company's image uh, at the time was kind of in your face. So uh, we, we stepped up, Jason Degos and I uh, and, and others, uh, we, we had a lot of fun. So that was, that was 2001 uh, when we built the Nissan trucks. And then uh, the, in the following year, we did the Xterra in 2002. So that was, that was, a, that was a good time, good era right there. What else was there? There was 350Z, was that you? Yeah, so the 350Z was right as I was exiting. That was um, actually Fukuda started working at Rockford at the time, and Fukuda came in, and I got a, an amazing job offer up in Seattle. And actually, that's when I, I departed from Rockford, and I went up to Seattle and, uh, you know, just kind of started a new chapter in my life. And, uh, uh, you know, it was just, that was like kind of the transition right there at the 350Z, so... Was there, in, what else? So the Nissan trucks, Xterra. Yeah, a couple Suburbans, the Dodge Ram, then trucks. Um, we did some other smaller projects that never, were never mainstream. And, and then the Xterra and then the 350Z exiting. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the was, Xterra, was really Xterra nice. to me was like the biggest one, just yeah. the amount of work and doing the whole floor and the enclosures and how how massive those panels were and i remember the pictures of you with like the temp gun on the fiberglass <laughs> and the layup like i mean a lot of that stuff sticks with you yes what would you say that your yeah. your your biggest year of career career growth was when you had to fill mark's shoes that year or is it a totally different time um you know it was different you know at the time yeah i mean we we won some very prestigious awards. I remember Gary Suttle coming up to me and just giving me a huge hug going, good job. Um, because, you know, those vehicles really influenced a lot of people and uh, inspired a lot of guys and it drove sales for sure. So yeah, I would definitely say that kind of that 2001, 2002, probably the Xterra for sure. We, mm -hmm. we, we bled on that one. I think that one took a couple of years off my life for sure. For sure. We literally slept at the shop for two months straight, did not go home, slept in our offices, showered at work. Uh, it was intense. So it was, there's no time to, for nothing else. Glad, glad you did it when you were younger, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, I think it's just like anything. If you want to achieve greatness, you got to dig deep. And how bad do you want it? I mean, do you want it a little bit? Do you want it a lot? Or do you really, really want it? You got to dig deep. You guys both know that feeling. And when you dig deep, it is 
you have to be completely focused and in the zone. And unfortunately, your family suffers 100% because of that, mm-hmm. because you're, you're checked out, you're on, you're on another planet, 100%. But, you know, it's a sickness, I, I do love it. It's some at some level. I mean, we've done that in classes where we get there a little bit on like day three and four when we're running on fumes, we're, we're achieving that in a very short amount of time. And I don't know what it is, but I think that we all, I mean, all of us that like to push, there's just that, that magic that you get when you just like this, this is, this is where it's at. This is where I push myself to a level that I didn't think I could get to, but like, look at the reward. It's unbelievable to get to that level. And, um, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's cool. It's a hard thing to do. It's not easy. So what about what Scott offered in Bellevue where you thought that this could be a better opportunity to advance my career? Because Benchmark is a sick shop. You know, it's 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 literally the best shop that most people in our industry have don't never know heard of. Yeah. 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 It it really is. They're kind of understated. I just actually came back from uh, Washington State. Uh, we just went up there. Uh, and have a vacation, family vacation with those guys. But um, so I, I was leaving Rockford, um, and I didn't I didn't really plan to leave. And um, Scott says, "Hey, why don't you come up? We're looking for a guy." <laughs> I heard this line before. Uh, and and uh, you know, I went up during July when Seattle is beautiful, no clouds, and yeah. it is gorgeous. So I get off the plane. I'm like, wow, this place is unbelievable. It's like nice and cool. Phoenix is 150 degrees. Uh, and I walk in this Taj Mahal, the shop and Bill Gates yacht is sitting there and Paul Allen, which was, you know, Bill Gates's partner, uh, you know, owns half of everything and just Microsoft Kenwood and or Kenworth and Boeing and Amazon, all these huge companies are doing, they're all, they're all based out of Seattle. So Scott literally has the richest and most wealthiest clients on the planet. Uh, and he's shown me all this stuff and I'm just like, wow. He's like, so let me show you around. And I, I just was blown away. They had more tooling than Rockford, if you can believe that. Um, and he goes, you know, let me offer you this and consider it. So I came back to Rockford and I'm like, wow. I just, I really wasn't looking for a new position somewhere else, but I got to consider this. And I really thought about it. Uh, and I, and I ended up taking the job and, uh, I, I moved up to Seattle. So what, what that did for me was it changed my whole mindset and Scott really taught me how to run a business. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever met anyone as smart as him in the regards of running your business. Um, managing it. I mean, the guy is absolutely brilliant and just wickedly talented on top of that. So he's a, a you know, pretty savvy business guy, but he can execute at the highest level and he's working on, you know, some of the best cars on the planet. So um, I learned a lot. Unfortunately, it was a short run. Um, Scott had a partner, the partnership just kind of dissolved. And, um, you know, three years later, uh, you know, I, I ended up coming back to Phoenix, but um, in that short time, I'll tell you what, I learned so much about running a business and that motto of production high end, 
that comes from Scott, a hundred percent. And I mean, the way they run their business, unbelievable, unbelievable. So it's pretty cool. So I was able to take all my knowledge from Rockford and that, that skill set and learn that side of the, the business, you know, that, that side of the world on building cool cars. And then I went up to Seattle and worked with Scott and really learned how to run my business. There's no way I'd be able to do what I do now without kind of those two mixes. I mean, everybody's life sends you on a journey. Things happen for a reason. And those those two things definitely happened for a reason for me. So it, it, it just worked out. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of my, that's kind of, that's some of my, my baseline on, on where my, my roots come from. How did, how did mobile solutions come about? So mobile solutions came about when innovative slash benchmark now, uh, you know, had, it kind of started to dissolve and I, I had to make a decision. So, and you got to think that was back 2000, you know, early 2000s, mid 2000s, when the economy wasn't great. And, you know, the, the, the jobs weren't that easy to get with manufacturers. So I had to make a decision. Do I go work for somebody? Or do I take this chance and start my own gig? Well, you know, luckily, since Rockford, I kept all my, my ties there. And I had a lot of guys asking me, hey, I'm really interested in training. I remember you did that Top Gun class that Gary wanted to go to. Um, and can you come to our shop and do something like you taught in Top Gun? I said, well, that's an interesting idea. And, and so I, I, I did. I, I had a couple guys and uh, I went out to their shop and I, you know, I kind of developed, you know, here's a basic curriculum and let's, let's do this. So I flew to somebody's shop and I said, okay, it's going to, you know, it's going to cost X and let's, let's do this. So I did it once and it wasn't really a company. It was just me doing it. And then, and then I had somebody else find out about it and they asked me. So I, I did a you know, handful of them and, and then Rockford, I kept talking with them. They're like, Hey, we can't hire you, but what we can do is we want to have a road tour. And this is the launch of my company right here, right? Really owe it to Rockford. They said, look, we've got 12 stops. We're going to go all around the country. We're going to go to every single rep firm. We're going to do a product training and, and we'll have you come in and you can do like a little fab training, a little arts and crafts thing at the end. And for that full year, you can just hang with us and we'll pay for your food and we're going to pay you and we'll get you exposure. And that was what I needed to get the company started. So I really owe it to Rockford again on the second round is I got to go do this road show and I, I go on the road, do that. We did that for a year. Uh, and it was kind of funny. They'd be like, Hey, that's a cool router bit. Can we just buy it from you? Or I like those homemade templates that you got. Those are kind of cool. And so I had literally people asking me for the parts I was using doing these on road on the road things. And, you know, we developed, you know, I developed those, you know, over, you know, that, that kind of time period is like, let's have this basic set of, of tools. Um, and, um, you know, it kind of started from there as we had, I don't know, 10, 12 things in our, in our kind of mix and, uh, this little two page pamphlet that we handed out and, uh, <laughs> Now we have 400 SKUs 
and uh, you know, I kind of started just kind of ground roots. And I didn't. I was working out of my garage, and uh, not much to it at the time. Had a little. That was, that was like oh three ish, oh two oh three. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, oh four. Oh four is when I did that, and I had a a little tiny two foot by four foot CNC in my garage <laughs> in oh four. And uh, I drew all these templates up and I was cutting them out and my neighbors absolutely loved me. You heard this thing just ripping. I had this little, little garage and this thing's just cutting away. Just just a garage router motor full. on there at that point. <laughs> oh yeah, porta cable, just <laughs> shooting out chunks of stuff. Barons, yeah, Barons it was humble coming. beginnings. Yep, humble, humble beginnings for sure. So, what year did you times. get? What year did you move into the current location? So, shit, what was it? I've been here, I think, 10, be like no, 2010. Oh, oh, nine. No, I, no, so we've been in two different buildings. We're in a smaller building before this one. I think we moved into there in 09, 08, 08. So I worked in my garage for a couple of years doing just that on the road. And then uh, I, I mustered up enough money and got a lease. And you know how scary that is. And uh, got my first place. And uh, I was actually with Todd, Todd Ramsey. Him and I were, were, were leasing it together. And we had that for a couple of years and then they moved into our our current current place and 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 i got another little two by four i had two two by four cnc machines just with a little porta cable router just ripping them out uh and then you know saved up enough money for a bigger one and then and then more and more so that's that's kind of how it went it's uh you know just a little at a time I love how every success story starts with somebody just working out of their garage. You know what I mean? It's like you're never going to find somebody that just hits success right away. They always have a crazy backstory where they're working out of their garage and they're grinding and then they find success. So for all the millennials out there that think that you're just going to find success in the first couple of years of you working, it just doesn't happen. Got to grind it out. Got to, you got to have those experiences. I guess unless you become like TikTok famous and you become famous <laughs> overnight and then start making millions of dollars in a week, but yeah. other than that, you have to grind. Nah, you got to have you the gotta, experience. You got to earn it, for sure, yeah. for sure. And and you know, I think all of us, uh, you know, we just kind of build our arsenal of of tooling and you build upon what's worked in the past. So, uh, you know, we're, I'm kind of proud of the fact that we've never really taken a, a loan out or bank loan to fund the business i've just kind of bought it everything is a go and you know i know i know you guys are the same um but you just build it a little at a time and build on your success and and but but you gotta want it you gotta know that that's the end goal and you gotta see that vision and believe in yourself if you don't believe in yourself you know it's never going to happen. You say, Oh, I, I'm not, I'm never going to do that. You're right. You're never going to do that. But if you say, I want, I'm, this is my goal and I want to achieve it. And even if you don't hit it, you're going to hit close, but you got to believe in yourself and you got to push yourself to that next level, whatever it is, if it's in your business, your craft, or, uh, you know, whatever that is software or financially, 
you've got to really push if you want to go to that next level for sure. So tell me about the first class that you had in the building that you're in now, like the first in-person master tech, was it a master tech training? What, what, what was it? How was it labeled? Who was there? Give me some insight. How did it go? At what point did you know that like this was a, a thing? <laughs> so man, that was a, that was a while back. So I, we kind of put the feelers out and this is really before there was a Facebook or this massive internet, just, you know, community of multimedia. Uh, we had, it was, it was, we had a master tech class and it was just kind of a general class. So we, we taught some router stuff. We taught some fiberglass stuff, maybe some welding. And it was, uh, it was a couple days and, uh, I can't even remember who was in some of the first classes. It's been that long, but a lot of people have been through it. I will tell you that uh, I started doing some traveling uh, in the mix of this, and I had to go to Europe, or maybe it was Australia. I had an Australia trip I was so excited about, and we had this class scheduled already and these guys from Australia said, Hey, Brian, I want you to come over. And I had to make a phone call to actually have someone come in and substitute for me. Guess who I called? <laughs> I, I think it was probably Chris. It was, I had Chris Yato come in and substitute for me a 100% taught the class while I was in Australia. I thought that was pretty cool. That's uh, awesome. He's he the only one that's done that, more. right? He is the only one that is, fully substituted for me um, <laughs> while I wasn't here in our own building. Yeah, Chris did that. He's such a good dude. Yep. So that was uh, that was a treat for whoever got to come to that class. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so we, we've had a lot of folks. I mean, you name the TV show, you name the, the industry. Um, we've, we've had them come through and uh, I'm super proud of that. I mean, our our program and it's been an awesome you know over the years like especially the last 10 years just having you guys involved and making it more of a community thing i think has been the most powerful powerful thing ever is it's it's way beyond me it's all of us at this point uh collectively and sharing ideas coming together having that magical moment where we're like you know, Gary brings in some crazy ass idea and Matt's going, yeah, let's do that. And I'm going, dude, you're going to break the, the freaking press in half, because, uh, but it works, you know? And, yeah. and I think it's, it's those, those crazy times where we get into as a, as a kind of a group now where it makes it a lot of fun and we do push each other to that next level. So, yeah, I know. so here's a, here's a fun segue that, you don't know about because you haven't heard the episode yet, but the episode with Carlson that we did to kick off the season came back to a uh, master tech training at Mobile Solutions because <laughs> we're talking about this quote that I like to say that availability creates opportunity. And there was a moment in which Carlson and somebody from the big three was at your training and it gave him this opportunity to collaborate with the big three. So because Carlson and this other dude is there, now there's this whole other potential, I would say, area of where Carlson's career can divert 
because of this opportunity with the big three. It all happened because of your training there. I, I thought that was a fun story. Oh, I think that's super cool. And I hear stuff like that all the time. So I think that's that's amazing. Yeah, I think that when we when we all go out there, groups of us go out there and there's any sort of the kind of, I don't want to say competition. Sometimes it's friendly competition. Sometimes it's we're just, you know, we're all building something at the same time. But I think that's what really kind of drives all of us to push and push harder and come up with crazier ideas. And, you know, you were talking about that manufacturer demo car. I don't know what an unlimited budget is because I've never had one before, but I get the kind of idea. We got a little bit, you know, a little bit of a taste of that for a while. But when you go back to retail and you are working with budgets and you're working with these constraints and then you get that opportunity to go and you, you know, you're just going for it to build something cool. It really does spark a lot of creativity and innovation and kind of makes you want to push boundaries with stuff like, you know, pressing quarter inch aluminum in a, in a shop press <laughs> to make shapes mm -hmm. or whatever the weirdest, craziest thing we can come up with is. For sure. I, I think that it's always the push. It's, it's the push that innovates ideas. And I, I feel like every single class that we've done, something new comes out of it. It might be subtle. It might be a streamline. We might skip three steps and go, man, why are we doing it like that? Because now this is an even easier way that's more efficient. Or here's a new material that we never even thought of before, and it's blended into it. Uh, or, or something super ambitious that's very complicated, but the end result turns out to be amazing. You know, it's multiple layers that's lit up or something. So, I mean, there's, there's always something every time. Well, I think, you know, just speaking for myself, when we go out onto these trainings, like as Gary and me and Tom and Jeremy, when we get to collab with each other and build something, I think we're literally seeing how each other's brains work, building a panel, how we're trying to get an angle on a panel, how we're trying to bend a panel, and seeing the steps that we would typically do if we were building things by ourselves. So I think there's been so many times in which you're paired with somebody and we're just exchanging ideas and the, the flow of ideas and creativity of how to do a certain task, you just find a completely better streamlined way to do it. And then now that is sticking with you forever. I know Gary's shown me multiple things where I'm just like, God damn, I can't believe I've never done that before. <laughs> so much easier. And, uh, you know, you just get that all the time. So like for us to come out and, teach or build as a collaborative group, we're constantly learning each, every time that we're there. We're walking away with something, you know, even us building stuff every single time. 100%. Oh, for sure. Brian, what's your, what's your favorite class project or favorite like thing that's been built in your facility? Mm. I think those speakers, I think the, the, the speaker class, uh, the towers, yeah, they still have them. I mean, they're on display still, so that's got to tell you I like them because the rest of it is maybe in the attic or storage. But the speakers uh, were unbelievable, and I love the fact that they're fully functional. So the, you know those tower that tower speakers, even the subwoofer one too. But the, I think those tower speakers, those it was pretty amazing. I mean, you had a killer design. 
both both sets were super cool and uh, I mean we did it in was it four days it was a four day four, deal right four days insane four yeah four days and each student built their own personal project <laughs> speaker yeah as well is that the so one where they, they built, built speakers own, yeah it was a little um, Bluetooth speaker that um, sat on your desk and it had multiple layers of uh, Baltic birch and you could stain it and stuff. So we were really trying to push the boundaries of using wood and staining stuff, machining it, and then stitching it. You know, it was, it was cool. So, I mean, um, you know, some of that, I, you know, I got to sew up on the backside of it. That was fun. Um, not the fastest, but my lines are straight. So. <laughs> <laughs> It was cool. I know what I know what project stressed you out the most. <laughs> I think we can all say it on the count yeah. three. <laughs> One, two, three. Golf cart. Golf cart. Golf cart. Fucking golf cart. Uh, yeah, whose we who ambitious idea was that? Uh, One, two, three. Not it. Yeah, we were talking about that with Carlson on the first episode where. One of my best memories of Carlson is him laying in a puddle of resin, just doing the the fiberglass layup of the side skirt at like three thirty in the morning, and then Gary's there the next morning as it's as somehow it's dried because the first batch of resin that we used had like Pepto Bismol in it and it wasn't hardener, <laughs> so it just never dried. So we just had to like put hardener on it, and then Gary's there the next morning just like completely grinding the entire golf cart sculpting yeah uh, oh man yeah that was in in hindsight probably not the smartest choice but um it got done it got done we finished it <laughs> and um, for the not, people listening that don't have an idea it was literally a call it like a full i mean we're building the hood we're building side skirts we're building the rear end we're building a dash we're building audio enclosures were oh. literally everything oh, and in four days yeah, lighting from scratch mm-hmm. Arduino so, light the, the lighting was yeah. in there <laughs> yeah you can imagine how chaotic that was and especially everyone working around the same spot because it's not like we're working on different speaker enclosures in different rooms everyone's just right on top of each other doing everything it was it was intense i said it before i said it during i said it after it's a terrible idea <laughs> but some good memories didn't oh, you yeah, say that during sure. overhauling too you, you oh said yeah that during overhauling as well yeah I told you. It's always a terrible idea. It doesn't stop me. It never stops me from getting into trouble on those things. But that was that was a fun class. I would never do that again. Never. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that. So that golf cart was for like one of your neighbors though, right? Yeah, our next door neighbor. They were one of our best friends. They still have it. They they hundred percent What's the status of it right now? How does it look? It's it looks exactly do they the love same it? as when we finished it. They, Do love they love it? it. Their kids drive the, yeah, they they drive the shit out of it. Can can we borrow it to drive around the uh, Master Tech Expo? I think we can arrange that. We should we right. should, hundred yeah, percent. That. That's done. Yeah. Okay. It will be there. Yeah, we'll be driving that bitch up and down the aisles for sure. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so obviously, last year we had we had COVID. And it just kind of blows up probably your whole business model because nobody can travel and nobody can 
do training. So obviously you have the Master Tech Expo, which we'll talk about here, but at what point is that an idea in your head? Has it been an idea in your head? Is this something where you're just like trying to figure out how to adapt with the times, how to pivot, how to how to be how to get more people included in a in a training? Because you're constantly always turning people away because they sell out in two seconds. So just kind of give us the background of how all this came to fruition. So yeah, last year, I mean, I think we all want to forget most of it. There's, there's some good, but most of it was forgettable. And yeah, we had to really kind of change everything because uh, a good chunk of our biz was doing trainings in house. And, uh, you know, through, through all that, we kind of learned a lot and kind of had to rely on, you know, and, and we still are not doing trainings currently, but uh, rely on, you know, our part sales and other things. And it's, you know, it's just changed our whole business model. It's actually allowed uh, our production to run full time because I was always t- making it stop for a class and whatever. And now our team can just run continuous. And that's, that's actually opened our eyes to a lot of things. So COVID kind of dies down and 21 starts. And I remember in December, I'm thinking, okay, what what are we going to do here when we announce our next hot rod class, our next door panel class? And I know only 25 people can come. And our email box is just blowing up. Phones are ringing every day. When is class? When is class? actually take my money now. And whenever you guys have a class, make sure I'm on that list. I'm like, no and no, I just want to make sure it's right. And we don't want to do it too soon. So that being said, we started going, okay, how do we, how do we make this? So we don't have to tell anyone no, because I really hate it when we sell out instantly. And then I get the phone calls, Hey, I've waited two years, three years to come to this class. I want to see Gary. I want to see Matt. I want to see Tom. I want to see whoever. Uh, And I've waited. So why does so-and-so get to go and and I don't? And I just didn't want to have those conversations. So I think fair enough. We were like, okay, well, what if we did like a huge, you know, circus tent out in our front parking lot and told our landlord, we just want the whole thing for uh, a week. Uh, And I thought, well, that's not really a practical idea um it, you know we could do that but uh it still wouldn't kind of fix our problem of accommodating that many people so we looked at a couple different places we looked at um uh, like westworld that's where they hold barrett jackson oh, oh that's booked out for the next 50 years by the way <laughs> so westworld is not an option with the arabian horse show and barrett jackson uh and i looked at a bunch of different places in downtown and we finally ended up at the Mesa Convention Center, and we like Mesa. Mesa is a suburb of Phoenix, and it's about five miles from here. And uh, it's in a cool part of a smaller suburb town, and it can accommodate a lot of people. It, it could, you know, we could hold up to a thousand people if we want to. We're not going to have it that big, but uh, it will hold a lot of people. And the idea was, hey, let's let's have something big. Let's have something cool and have it have this the same feel and style that we've been doing for all these years. We just won't have that small intimate thing. It's just going to be on a bigger scale, but we want to show the same cool factor 
and have other elements along with it that go beyond what we've ever done here. And that's, that's really how it started is didn't want to say no to people. We wanted to, you know, share this experience with a lot of folks and our first, our first kind of training, so to speak, would be this, and it would be with all of our friends and we're going to come out with one big show and that's how it started. So that being said, we're going to have some pretty amazing talent there. And, uh, you know, I know you guys are, you guys are going to be a key part of it. Uh, we haven't made anything public yet, but you know, I think that's fair enough. We'd say that now, right? I, I might show up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think it's gonna be cool. Yeah. It's, it's, we're definitely looking forward to it. It is very cool to have this much stuff going on in one place. Uh, it's kind of like the history of mobile solutions all wrapped into one. We're going to get ourselves in over our heads on a few things, but everybody's going to walk away with a smile on their face and uh, we're all going to learn something. That's for sure. So I'll say this because I can talk about myself coming as a student versus coming as, you know, somebody there, a part of the teaching aspect. So one of the coolest things is when you're there as a student and of course you're, you see people like Gary taking on a project and trying to one-up it or just keep pushing the envelope, not take the easy route out. So you can see people literally in a, a moment where they're trying to problem solve. You can see Gary look at something and stare at it and problem solve. If you're taking it in as you should as a student, you're learning in that moment. You're watching somebody problem solve and you know, you can even ask questions like what's going through your head and what if you did this? What if you did this? And you can kind of get in that thought process. And if you do it right as a student, I mean, you can really maximize a lot of stuff. It's really invaluable experience. If you ask me, it, it is a part it's it, we're all human. And, you know, if you watch guys like Tom or, you know, if we're, I'm studying something, uh, Gary, all of us kind of do the same thing of problem solving. And it is a challenge. You have to work through those issues and kind of be thinking multiple steps ahead and it's all about the steps i think in the order on how you build so one thing might affect another thing and if you're not thinking seven eight steps ahead on what your step is now it it really does matter and so that problem solving just to kind of add to what you're saying the order the process and and that thinking ahead mentality will help you execute you know, faster and more efficiently. So you don't kind of put yourself down this rabbit hole where you're like, oh man, I got to, I got to throw this in the garbage. It's not usable. Or, or I look at it now, I'm like, man, why didn't I just do this and this and this now that it's completed? It's always easy to do that when you're finished because you, you've gone through the whole process. So, you know, looking at that crystal ball and we'll get rolls of tape out and tape up a whole side just to get a visual on with cardboard and masking tape and that exercise is invaluable to get that vision on what the steps are what are what i want to look five steps ahead well this chipboard and that masking tape is going to help me do that even though i'm mm -hmm. going to chuck it in For 10 sure. minutes i'm able to look in my crystal ball and and visualize that and you know i think that kind of goes along with what you're saying is is that problem solving and be able to looking look into those those steps ahead um, you know, at the end of the night, I, I do this ritual of, I like to do this dress rehearsal. I get all my parts and I put them in the car. I put everything in there that I can that's finished. 
and look at it and study it. And then I marinate on that all night as I'm driving and I come back in the morning and I take it all apart. But if it's all ripped apart and look and all on the bench, you really don't know what you have. So that dress rehearsal every night helps me kind of look ahead in those steps and problem solving. You know, I think that's that's a that's a big part of the training too, is teaching that, showing those years of experience. I mean, none of us have it all figured out, but we definitely have ways that will help us execute faster and better at what we do. I think one of those things that gets passed on to the students is that we all kind of have this arsenal of we we call them mental toolbox, right? Like mm-hmm. there's all these techniques that are in your mental toolbox that we pass along and when we're staring at a project trying to figure out what the next step is, if we, you know, we'll we'll paint ourselves into a corner sometimes a little bit, but we know we have big mental toolboxes of ways to get us to the next step and to connect those dots. I think one of the benefits of class and what the students really get out of it is that we've kind of put those steps in place in a logical order so that they can see their project and execute it in simple steps without having to go as deep into the mental toolbox. But now that they have all of those processes in place, they're in their mental toolbox and they can recreate that project that they did in class. I think Brian, one of the favorite classes I had was that we we did that one class where every step was just laid out. Remember all the post-it notes and just start mm-hmm. to finish. We took guys that had never used a router before. And at the end of the class, they have this finished panel that was absolutely insane, but it was, it was really thinking through those steps and putting it together and connecting all those dots to, to make a finished piece. Yeah. I think the kind of the beauty is taking complicated processes and, and, and simplifying that process. So it's easy to digest. It's as a start and a finish and here's the progression. Here's step one through seven. Here's how you get there. There's a lot of value in that. A lot of guys get lost along the way. You know, they're going to get on step three and overcomplicate it or take a wrong turn. And it's very easy to do. It's very easy to overcomplicate it or overthink it. And, uh, you know, I guess we all kind of say this, you know, I know you and I do, Gary, for sure. It's just keep keep that that thought process super simple in your design. A, A good, clean design goes a long way. It goes a lot farther, you know, if, if you have a great clean design that's executed at A+, plus, we'll all three of us will pick that over a complicated design that's executed at a C plus level. Uh, it'll never, it, it never moves the needle. So I would much rather see guys do just clean and simple and it, the vinyl's perfect, the corners are tight, I don't see fasteners. It's just solid and it, everything about it is solid from the wiring to you know, the look of it, but it's not complicated, but it's clean. That always moves the needle then overcomplicating it more stuff, you know, just more and more and more isn't always the best strategy and you don't make money and you're frustrated and it just goes on and on. So, you know, just keep that, that the thought process as simple as you can. I think that you'll always have success. So Brian, some of our listeners are industry guys. Some of them are consumers that are just into audio systems. Who is Master Tech Expo for? So Master Tech Expo is for, we're, we're calling it professionals, guys that are serious about what their craft is. Uh, more industry oriented, but not to say that if you're a dude at home that you're very serious about your craft, um, you might be 
a, a dentist, uh, so whatever. And I do have guys that are full blown dentists come to our class. Uh, you know, I've got guys that work for Disney sets and uh, NASCAR, you name it. If you're passionate about your craft, this, this is for you. Uh, but the majority is going to be pros, you know, it's going to be industry guys, but I, I, I do just say that, you know, if, if you're a new dude, it might be overwhelming. It might be a great experience. You might just be exposed to a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that it's, it's, it, it's not for you or not for anyone. Uh, it's just for somebody who's very serious about their craft and, um, you know, and you're, you got to have that passion. Uh, because everybody there, it's infectious. And if you're there, just kind of like what what Matt said, if you're just kind of putting in a C plus effort, um, you know, you might want to just stay home and watch watch it from social media. But if you if you want to really step up uh, and, and see it firsthand, it's going to be awesome because there's going to be aspects of this, like the build off, for example. It's very strategic on how we're going to do this. It's uh, we've kind of made it a time limit thing. So you've got it's it's every day during the exhibit time. I wanted more than just vendors showing their goods. We wanted some excitement, like a UFC fight, but they're building shit live, and they have a budget of time that they're fighting against. We will have laser machines on stage we'll have cncs there we'll have all the materials that they ever could want the only restriction is you got to finish in four hours that's it and you know basically it's going to be a cosmetic element we're going to have a modern vehicle theme one day and a hot rod theme one day and imagine a subwoofer box up on the stage one on each side painted flat black a couple tens maybe three tens on each side and it has magnets embedded into it flat black hidden so the magnets are flush and it's your job as a team to build a panel that snaps onto that in four hours and you can paint it you can do press grills you can laser cut but and you can have the cad files even ahead of time so you can study the shit out of this thing gary <laughs> too bad you can't play um but you can have all this arsenal you just can't have anything built you have to build it all on site and you can't bring any of your own materials. We'll provide everything for you. The swag is gonna be over the top. I mean, Rockford's doing full blown uniforms, full systems for everybody. I mean, we're gonna do toolkits. And then the biggest thing is the bragging rights. You're gonna have massive bragging rights, but I think each day at the end of the four hours, both teams are gonna take their panel and go click, click. Here's my panel, check it out. If you don't finish, it's just like a cooking show. You don't if you don't plate the food in time, you're disqualified. And I think that's awesome. So uh, it's it's going to be fun. It, it's not going to drag on for days. It's going to be di make, a lot different than I think a lot of people were thinking it was going to be. We're just talking about the the cosmetic design elements, and it has to match that themed part of the car. So think of that panel that fits in there, an Audi. Think of that pat that rear trim package or the rear uh, like a rear deck for a '69 Camaro. Both those vehicles will be on the floor that you're de you're designing against, but you'll have that element up on the stage. So we're controlling exactly what you're building to a T within the within the time allowed. I just got a full on shelf listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt's, Matt's ready to put a team together. <laughs> 
Yeah. Matt's ready to put a team Matt, together. Matty, Matty, I think you could you could probably build something pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you could click your way through that nicely. Yeah. I'm already I'm already picturing stuff in my head. Oh man, that's gonna be fun. And this is Brian, this is geared for not just the audio guys, but also to the upholstery industry. It is. It is. We actually want it so they're teams of three. Um, total of six each night. So you got three and three. You'll have a team captain, and then there's going to be a trimmer, a fab dude, and then maybe like a mobile electronics type of guy um, on each team. We want one person from each each kind of skill set, if you will. Um, and and you can wear multiple hats. You can classify yourself as whatever, but we definitely want that that trimmers and you know those fab dudes from the other side of the world to to go. This is more of an automotive event uh, instead of just you know, car audio and mobile electronics, it's automotive and it's all, it's all aspects. If you're a painter, if you're a body guy out, we absolutely want you on there. Uh, and then you have a trim guy to help, to help wrap the leather or help whatever. And then you're going to have an audio dude that can make press grills and, and do LEDs and other, other stuff like that. So we want some, we want different types of skill sets blended into this competition for sure. Are those build off spots taken already are those teams already being formed or how how do, how would somebody reach out if they wanted to be on one of those teams or is it invite only or so that is a fantastic question <laughs> we're updating the website tonight so uh you know i know i don't know when this will air but um the website's getting updated right now and it has a build off section where you register for this and then we're going to do either a lottery or an online voting system for this uh, the team captains are probably going to be handpicked by our collective group um, but um, it, it'll be more of an online you need to register to be in the build-off you got to be an attendee to be part of the build-off so don't don't think you can just uh, be part of the build-off you got to be part of the show to go to the classes um, but you know it's it's a it's one night so you can still have time to go, you know, you're, if you're part of the build off, you can do that one night. And then the other night you'll be able to go see all the vendors and, and check out all the cool stuff on the floor. So that, that's a, that's a cool thing in itself. So online registration, that's the answer. Very cool. So, you know, one of the things I didn't talk about is our vendor mix with the show. And I think that um, the support has been unbelievable. We, we actually went to market with the show floor completely full and uh, you know, and actually a, a couple guys on a waiting list. And I really just kind of invited the people that I, that we've done business with as a company and also people that are from different industries. So, you know, we have the like cam master CNC's and universal lasers and 3d printers and creoform scanners and, all these other industries are going to be there as well by design. We want those people there. We want them with their technology, their CAD software, all that stuff, plus all of our audio uh, partners. And my challenge to every single one of these vendors is, hey, we don't want a literature style booth. We don't want to see uh, just a bunch of product. I want to see a demo car that's badass. Half of it is ripped apart door panels off, Amprac 
taken apart and a scope hooked up to it in your booth. So half the car is put together, the other half is taken apart so we can see how it's built. Uh, you know, if we'll have a 3D printing, they'll, they'll be doing a full-blown dashboard printing it right there. We'll have a cruciform scanner. So we're showing guys how to scan right in the in the Rockford booth. They'll have their cruciform scanner right there doing a Harley, showing how they scan it. Um, you know, the, they'll have we'll have three or four different laser machines running and for sale on the floor, which I think is cool. It's just a different vibe because we want that interaction. We want the manufacturers to be showing their technology and the tech. Uh, and some of them are getting super excited. They're just they're going all out. I, we've got a couple major acts coming. Uh, part of the the expo has a theater that's acoustically perfect. They're going to have uh, you know something pretty cool in there. Um, we're going to do live design classes on where we're sketching stuff and uh, you know uh, you know Mel from NC Sewing Machines. He's going to have all his sewing machines right there, stitching, showing how to do French seams and binding carpet on the floor so I, I just want everybody to know that when we say exhibitor space it's not like what you normally see it's going to be a fully interactive like mini trainings on the hour every hour so people are learning from the vendors as well so we want the education to be all the time not only during class time but during the exhibit time as well it's it's truly about learning at the show it's gonna be crazy crazy good i'm excited I'm, I'm excited oh and by the way we're feeding you the whole time beautiful buffet every day you don't leave campus <laughs> uh we've got the food figured out for you so nobody has to leave and then there's a bar at the at the cross the street at the end of the day so uh <laughs> it's like the perfect storm for everybody well we'll have to hook up at the bar and have them make a uh, a special old-fashioned for us for the weekend. Yeah, I, I was going to say, get the women there cutting the hair in the lingerie, like when they cut your mullet. And I'm like, I'm sold. I'm sold. You're down. Get a haircut. You're down. We should, we should. get a haircut. Learn. <laughs> Love it. Cool stuff, guys. Uh, you like the idea of this uh, expo? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, a good way to get everybody in a, in one shot. You know, it's so tough with the, small classes and limiting it and every time you say you're going to cut off at 20 and we show up and there's 25 guys instead of 20 and mm -hmm. it's gonna be nice to have a little more room to spread things out and so do you foresee this being your new benchmark quote unquote as far as like your training system like are you going to do maybe two expos one expo every year and then start filtering out the in-person classes at mobile solutions or is that still going to be what do you think well you know it's it's hard to look in that crystal ball and see what's coming but i feel like uh one is plenty <laughs> that's yeah, it i feel like it's easier one, just one, to have a, a big master tech expo and what yeah we'll just have one and uh you know i just when we have all of our friends come i think it's easier for everybody to just come once uh, and plan that and know that it's going to be at the best time of the year. It's going to be perfect weather. It's 70 degrees. Spring training is here. It's going to be beautiful. So the timing is actually right after Super Bowl and before things start to get crazy. It's actually very strategic. But, um, you know, I think just one of those. To answer the question about in-person training, 
I, we will go back to that, but it will only be maybe three to four a year. Um, I just don't see the frequency that we were doing. I mean, we were doing two and three a month in 2019 before COVID. Mm -hmm. That will probably never be again. Uh, it will just be uh, very specialized classes um, that are super focused, uh, not cheap, but very good. And that will be kind of our, our, new, our new format. Uh, I just I like the idea of the community, the networking, and um, us us being able to all come together in one big place. Uh, and and Maddie, you know this. You probably heard it a million times. One of the most valuable things, or I would say, what the, the, one of the very most valuable things is guys are coming out of class going, "Hey, I talked to so and so. I'm still talking to them. Five, ten years later, we become really good friends." We met it. We connected at this place. Look at look at Carlson's story. Uh, you know the networking is invaluable, and when you're you know you're talking with some of the best of the best, and we haven't even really announced some of the other guys that are coming, uh, just because we're going to kind of stagger this out over the next eight months. But uh, it'll definitely be worth worth it on, on just the networking level. So, you guys have any um, guesses on what the most popular class is so far? Give us give us a couple of choices because I don't know that I know each each one. Yeah, so so there's four classes, four tracks, if you will. Modern tech is is kind of like our boot camp. It's it's for uh, maybe your younger guys or your mid level talent. Meat and potatoes, the stuff that you and I love, Gary. Just that meat and potatoes of making money, production stuff. That's 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 your modern tech. Um, school fab is that next level up and that's some that's some automation tracy's going to be he'll be doing stitching a whole seat for the upholstery side showing that side of it some some metal stuff some 3d fabs maybe some carbon fiber maddie stuff like that that will be school of fab master design that's your cad class that's your cnc class so that's reverse engineering uh that's uh dealing with um sketching stuff, design stuff, and then taking that into CAD, 2 and 3D automation, CNC, 3D printing, laser stuff. Uh, it's going to be super cool. And then the last one is uh, the business class, is really learning how to run that balance sheet and attracting the very best customers. Maddie, you do a fantastic job of getting guys to ship their cars across the planet out of just good faith on what you offer. So we want to show how to how to have that offering and 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 show how to market to the upper echelon of customers. And uh, I think all four of those are really good. So you got modern tech, school of fab, master design, and the business class. Uh, and I felt those were the four most important topics right now to that really move the needle. All important, but you got to kind of pick your poison. You get to pick two so what are your two mine would be three and four yeah okay. I, my guess is that the most popular is two and three is the the design and the the upper level fab yeah you're right you're right uh a lot of combinations of both but um uh gary you you're very right so i just i asked this question because we're already posing a problem of those two feeling first <laughs> Yeah, and so if you guys are on the fence and thinking about it, don't think too long because come SEMA time, this thing will be locked up and done. So 
please, um, you know, book it now. We're giving you guys plenty of notice, and uh, it's uh, it's only going to happen once a year. And um, the combination of people will only ever be this one time for sure. Are we going to do some podcasts there, Gary? I, I think we will at least record a handful of episodes yeah, while we we're there. We got to record something. Get yeah. a lot of people on that that are there. Yeah. In the show, that should be fun. Yeah. I you guys should just plan on your own little booth. We'll have you all set up with your big banner, and uh, I'd love to have you uh, be be doing that live. So I think that's super cool. Maybe we uh... are we allowed to drink in the expo center? <laughs> Hundred percent. Because that's that's the only way this this podcast works. Uh, we we are we are one hundred percent old fashioned ready. All right, perfect. So I'm going to ask you a question, Brian, and I'm I'm sure it's it might be very easy or it might be very hard, but who in our industry would you say has been your biggest influence? Whether it's on a business level, whether it's on a fabrication level, somebody that made you feel like you can reach a next level. I feel like it's either Mark Lowe or Scott Whitehead. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm, both. Yeah, I think that you're right on for for me. Yes, um, you know, Mark Mark still is a great influence and a super good friend, and Scott as well. Both both um, you know collectively have, uh, have taught and taught me some really cool stuff and uh, inspired me to do, you know, what I do now. Um, but I'm also going to say, Fakuda. you know, when I watch Tom, nah, I'm going to say, Tom. I mean, Fakuda is okay. awesome as yeah. well, for sure. But more recently, I've had the chance to work with Tom, and I know you guys are going to agree with me on yeah, this. Yeah, he's but, special. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Tom is special and his, his ability, uh, on design and execution, uh, is, is something that is really special on how he thinks and he executes his, his design style is, is really cool. And, uh, you know, Gary and I, we just did the, the last project was overhauling with him and we're watching Tom work through the projects and we're like, yeah, he does it the same shit we do. We're trying to work through the problem, through the drawing, sketching it, working through it, and we all do it this, the same way. But you know, Tom Tom's ability to put it on paper is uh, pretty phenomenal on the interiors. He's really super talented, and I, I haven't seen that in ever. So I think yeah, you know, Tom's right up there for sure. It's it, Tom's definitely next level, and. The part that's really special, I think, when it comes to our industry is that any of us can outsource design work, right? Like I know some guys that build a lot of custom interiors and they use a couple of different designers that are doing renderings and that kind of stuff. But it's not the same as understanding your skill set, your abilities, your tooling, your restraints upon you and then being able to do that design work yourself it's really a unique combination and tom is just the the ultimate at that for sure so because of this tom yeah. is going to be our next guest he's going to be the next guest <laughs> oh. just because it has to follow this and that's uh, why I'm, I'm glad i asked oh yeah no i i just love tom he's just an amazing human he's super cool he you would never ever know that he is that wickedly talented and mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, he's just the he's just the best. You know, everybody loves Tom, and there's a reason why because the guy is just first class. There's just no doubt. Yeah, and I've it. I've I've said it before. You know, with Gary and I talking that. I feel like he's been my biggest motivation factor is because the first time I was introduced to the entire industry was when I was in the top 12 in 2014, when he won, I believe, yeah, 2014. Yeah. And I saw the, the admiration that the entire industry had for him in that room in that moment. And I was like, that's, that's badass. You know what I mean? And I want to experience that someday. And he was such a big motivation factor for me coming up in my career and and as humble as they come yep for sure that's true yeah kind of like kind of like chris yato yeah yato is uh is same same kind of you know cut out is uh is tom they're they're they could be brothers literally um but um you know it's like um you know you never have to you never second guess, you know, their design or their ability to execute, but um, they're never going to tell you how badass they are, how, you know, I can do this or that. It's, it's just kind of opposite. Anyone who's always got to brag about how good they are. It's not that way. Uh, it's always the people that are kind of understated and, and just, they, they just sit back and then execute at, a, at, a, at the highest level. And that's who I have the most respect for, for sure. Cool. So, um, the Master Tech Expo is in March, I want to say, right? March 6th through the 9th. That's a Sunday to a night. Wednesday. Yeah, 22. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on. We we appreciate you, appreciate your time. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Best of luck and we'll see you soon. Thank you. <laughs>